Welcome to the King's Church Podcast. We are an ACC church based on the Gold Coast in Queensland, Australia. We'd love for you to join us on any given Sunday. In the meantime, we hope this message blesses you. Come on, so good. Um, Why don't you guys hang out here just for a second? And why don't we stay standing just for a second? It's so good to be in the house. Uh, I haven't preached to real humans for like 74 months. So let's see if I can remember how to do it. Um, but I think God's going to do something special. You know, I was on the phone to Pastor Noah this week. And um, I don't know, you probably don't know me because I'm not important. But um, a lot of what I do is like I love to do altar calls and lay hands and see the Holy Ghost move. And uh, because of Arnie Rona, uh, we can't. But who knows that he, the Holy Spirit doesn't need a certain formula to move in power. Uh, we don't need to touch anyone physically for bodies to be healed, marriages to be restored. And I believe he's going to do something. So why don't we just lift our hands to heaven. I'm just going to pray real quick. Believe that God's going to move in this place tonight. Father, we thank you so much for your anointing. We thank you, God, that that you're here. And just like we were singing before, you're going to take what the enemy wanted for evil. You're going to turn it for good. I thank you that in this church and in their 700 campuses, God, you are going to bring a move of God that they've never seen before. We thank you for people coming in, in their tens, twenties, thirties, hundreds, and eventually in their thousands. I thank you, Lord, for finance flooding through the door. I thank you, God, that King's Church is going to look at the second half of 2020 and be like, whoa, we had a move. We had a move. And everyone that believed it said, Amen. All right, come on. You've got a hand, then you can sit down. Whatever works. Uh, I love this band. It's preachers and sneakers up here. We've got some Air Jordans. we got some Yeezys. Are these real or are these? They're real. Oh, it's a home deposit on his feet. Um, this is good. We've got some old school Addies. That's cool. I saw some old school Vans. You're not here to hear about shoes. You're here to hear about Jesus. Thank you so much, team. Love you. Be blessed. You're awesome. Um, man, I'm pumped. It's good to be with you. You're all beautiful. Turn to the person next to you and say, love you, if it's appropriate. Man, there is some trepidation in the house. Some guys, I feel like maybe over here, there's some guys sitting next to potential wives. They're like, I don't want to say it yet, bro. It's not my time yet, bro. (laughs) Um, I'm pumped to preach to you. Uh, I got two of my amazing leaders from our church at Caleb and Rachel. Can you give them a hand? They're awesome. They are. I would tell you what they do in the church, but it would take up all of my preaching time. So they're amazing. Pastor Caleb's a pastor in the house and his beautiful wife, Rachel's on key team and pumped. Um, I better quickly as well let you know, just, just to disappoint the crowd, I'm married. Um, so yeah, so this is off the market. I'm so sorry. I haven't preached in a while. Um, but I think I've got a photo of me and my beautiful wife. There she is. See, no, no, shut up. Listen. I, what I don't like is wherever I go and I show this picture, everyone gasps with a touch of disbelief, okay? It's rude. He said in the Word of God that signs and wonders are for the unbeliever. And so he sent me uh, Anna so that when I go places and I do the whole, you know, Jesus is real, believe in Jesus. They're like, maybe. And then they see my wife, they're like, there is a God in heaven. And they respond. So uh, that's my beautiful wife, Anna. Uh, we've been married six and a half years. Uh, we're very in love. Uh, we don't have any kids. Um, and uh, except for a fur baby called Zane, who is a Doberman, um, which is very exciting. <laughs> There's an altar of dead jokes there, and I just added to it. Um, so uh, I want to speak to you tonight um, a message called The Trouble with Tents. The Trouble with Tents. I think it's going to go up. And uh, I don't know about you guys. I don't know what, I'll be honest, I don't know Gold Coast culture. Okay, so all I know about Gold Coast is it has a Vapianos, and I love Vapianos. That's basically all I know. Um, but uh, 
in North Brizzy, people like camping. Yeah, like you, you get your you get your tent, you go out, and for some reason, people decide I'm going to leave my air conditioned house with my Netflix, my Disney Plus, my comfy bed, my Uber Eats, and I'm going to go out into the wilderness, and I'm going to just sit in this nylon cloth house. And I'm going to defecate outside. And, and um, it's going to be great. We're going to wake up at 5 o'clock. No, I'm not into it. Okay, I like camping in places like the Mantra, the Hilton. That's where I like camping. You know what I mean? I'm like, I want to camp somewhere where I can... Pastor Matt's leaving. I want to camp somewhere where I can get a massage. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's important um, to me. But I understand some people uh, like to camp. And uh, it's fine. We love you. We'll pray for you after this from 1.5 meters away. And so um, I want to read to you up from the Word of God. Who has a Bible? It's a night service, so usually the ratio is down. Hold your Bible in there. If you have one, your phone does not count, okay, uh, except for Pastor Trish, because she's in charge. So what she says goes. Um, man, there is a, there's a shortage of, there it is. I see one over there. There is a shortage of leather-bound Bibles. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, cool. So <laughs> so turn with me if you have it, uh, if you have a Bible or if you've got your phone, it'll be on the screen, I believe, as well. Genesis 15. Genesis 15. And we're going to read it uh, together. Well, I'm going to read it and you're going to listen. So it says this, after these things, the word of the Lord came to Abram in a vision saying, do not be afraid, Abram. I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. But Abram said, Lord God, what will you give me seeing as I go childless and the heir of my house is Eleazar of Damascus? Then Abram said, look, you have given me no offspring. Indeed, not one born in my house is my heir. It's a very wordy way of saying, I can't have kids. I have no children of my own. And behold, the word of the Lord came to him. Don't you love that? Don't you love it when the word of the Lord comes to you? When you're you're happy, when you're sad, no matter where you're at, you can always call on the Lord and he sends a word. And that gets me pumped. Behold, the word of the Lord came to him saying, this one shall not be your heir, but one who will come from your own body, (laughs) hello, shall be your heir. Then he brought him outside and said, look towards heaven and count the stars if you're able to number them. And he said, so shall your descendants be. And he believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. He believed in the Lord and he accounted it to him for righteousness. One more verse, and then we'll pray, and then we'll preach. God's going to move. It's going to be good. Psalm 147, verse 4 says this. He counts the stars. He calls them each by name. He counts the stars, and he calls them all by name. Father, I thank you that in the next couple of minutes we have together, you would do a work by your Spirit. I thank you, Father God, that, that the church is not on the back foot. This church is not on the back foot. But, Lord, across our nation, that churches are going to rise up, Provision is going to come. We even pray for our our brothers and sisters in Melbourne right now. Lord, just that you would stop that thing. We just rebuke it. We thank you that it's going to end. It's going to change. It's going to shift. And churches all across our nation would be meeting together sooner rather than later. In Jesus' name. And everyone said? Everyone said? Amen. Amen. All right. Story time. So I am not from Australia. I know I sound Australian, which which, to be honest, is a huge bummer. And I'll explain why in a moment. I'm actually English, um, but I grew up in... (laughs) Someone from England here? Someone from the motherland? Great. Um, But the reason why it's not good is because Aussie accents are not spiritual. Okay? It's just the truth. I don't care. So, like, American is the most spiritual accent. Do you know what I mean? Like when Chris Kilala or Todd White are like... Thank you, God, for a generation that would seek your face, Father God. You know, it's really spiritual. You know, South African, they've got some powerful evangelists. Reinhard Bonnke, Rodney Howard Brown. Thank you, Lord, 
for the moving of the Spirit. And then we come to the great south land of the Holy Spirit. Oi, mate, God's got a plan for you. Okay, he's going to use you in this nation, all right? Okay, after you've had some red rooster, just, just minister the gospel. And so I'm stuck with this Aussie accent, and, and so are you. But I was born in a place called Hackney. And Hackney is just outside of London, and it's kind of hipster now. But when I was growing up, it was like hectic. It was like the hood. Is he saying he's a gangster? A little bit, okay? A little bit. <laughs> and so I was born in this place called Hackney, and my mum had me when she was 16 years old. Is anyone here 16? Just real quick, just checking. Anyone 16? Okay, one, two, three. She's like, I'm not putting my hand up. Her friend's like, you're at 16, put your hand up. Um, yeah, imagine giving birth to me now. I mean, I wouldn't be this big, but it's weird. And so she has, gives birth to me at 16 years old, and, and my biological dad wasn't around, wasn't a part of the picture. Uh, and so she um, had people maybe telling her, hey, maybe you should get rid of this baby, maybe not. Um, but I'm so thankful to my biological mom that she was like, no, I'm going to give this kid a chance at life. Even if I can't help, I'm going to at least give him a chance for life. So I'm very pro-life and that's awesome. But so she has me and there was no um, places in any of the orphanages. There was no, or the foster homes. There was no um, room. And so an old lady who was about 80 at the time called Mary, she had a house near Hackney General Hospital. And she, for the last 20 years of her life, this is so beautiful, she would take in kids and babies that just had nowhere to go. And she would look after them, which I think is awesome. You know, I always tell my wife, she thinks I'm an idiot, but I'm always like, babe, I don't want to speak out of turn, but my parents weren't around. I was raised by someone called Mary. Who, who does that remind you of? And she's like, no one, shut up. <laughs> Feel like in youth, that's a joke about Mary, the mother of Jesus. So, so I'm with this lady, Mary, and I can't remember much. And then when I was about one and a half, two years old, I went into a foster home. And this foster home was pretty good, man. Like there was a lady who ran it called Cheryl, uh, and she did an amazing job. But we had 16 foster kids in one house. So we're in Hackney. I've got no parents. I've got curly hair, I'm a little thug, and I'm like, this is what it is. This is life, you know? And we're just doing our thing, man. I shared a room with four foster sisters. And so, like, you know, they used to, like, make me dress up and, like, make me play with dolls and, like, pretend shopping. And, you know, I have many issues still now because of that. Still love shopping. Still love shoes. <laughs> so, um... Hanging out with them, uh, we had a tiny backyard that was about a meter and a half long, and there was no fence, and there was no government funding to build a fence, so they used barbed wire and bricks. Not kidding. Uh, I should have brought the photo, but there's literally, but we had a duck called Donald. We had a little duck, and this was life, man. We got broken into, um, I've obviously heard a lot of this later on, because I was like two, but we used to get broken into like twice a year. Like it wasn't like, oh my gosh, we've been robbed. It was like, oh, it's August, <laughs> you know? And so Hackney was full on. And, but that was life, man. We were doing our thing. Um, apparently, for the first year and a half of my life, I only ate baked beans, crisps, which is like chips, Ribena, which is in Australia now, which is awesome, and like a, a couple of like tinned veggies. That's all I would eat. And so, um, yeah, this is, I know, it's like traumatic. This is like, you know, started from the bottom. And um, one day, uh, and, and obviously when you're in a foster home, the goal is to get adopted, right? That's like the, the big win, yeah? So, um, one day, Cheryl says to me, now, Freddie, tomorrow a young couple are coming to have a trial day with you. Stuff's really changed. You know how this couple found out about me? There was an ad on the radio that literally said, you know, yeah, there's uh, kids in Hackney. Do you want one? <laughs> and uh, they did. So I'm not really exaggerating. And so 
um, I'm like, okay, cool. Didn't really understand what was going on, but I knew something was happening the next day at 10. And Cheryl's like, you go open the door. It'll be really cute. No, poor Cheryl's trying to, I'm like, okay, pretty confident little kid. I walk downstairs. Is that kid's walk? Get to the door, open the door. There's a couple standing there. And this, there's this guy standing there and he is like skinny. He's got bright red hair and he's got like the Judas Smith glasses before they were cool. And then there's this woman there in like Nike like joggers and like shorts and like a kind of sporty vibe. And she had those Nikes, those old ones with like the curly laces. And the first thing I said, like two and a half years old, I look at them. They look at me. I look at them and I go, I like your shoes. I know, it's adorable. And so they take me out on this trial day. And they drive, they, they take me to the park. We go to the park and, and I'm just like, just like playing up because I'm a bit like, what's going on? And they buy me a, like an orange and I get it. I throw it on the ground. They pick it up, give it to me. I throw it on the ground. Then um, this guy buys me a peppermint choc chip ice cream. He's like, do you want ice cream, buddy? And that's a bit awkward because you don't really know each other. And, uh, and I get the ice cream and I'm sitting in my pram, stroller, whatever you call them. And I'm standing there and he's standing next to me and they're both kind of just looking at me awkwardly. And I just look that way and I think, I'm going to shove this ice cream into this guy. And I just go, bang. And, but he's standing up and I'm in a pram. So I just go, the area, just bang, you know. And he's like, oh. And, and, you know, it's like, it's not going well. This isn't a good trial day. And then they drive me to their house. Now, they drive from Hackney to a place called Cheam. Now, you need to understand the difference here. Hackney is like the hood. Do you know what I mean? There was like people walking around like missing arms like, and, and like with like guns and like it's, it, it's hectic. I'm exaggerating but it was hectic. Cheem's like the opposite. In Hackney it's like you're right bruv like you look at someone the wrong way. They're like you want to get shanked mate. You know that means to get stabbed. And then we go up to Cheem and it's very different. In Cheem everyone talks through their teeth and they have lots of money and they're very excited to go and have tea and crumpets and earn very high wages and buy beautiful houses. And so I'm going from Hackney and I can see, even as a young kid, I'm like, this, it's changing. As we start to go to Cheam, I'm like, look, there's no like fires or bodies anywhere. Like, this is great. And we get to Cheam and we go into their house and their house had this thing I'd never seen before. It was like this, it was like a road into their house. I'm like, what's that? They're like, the driveway? Like, I'm like, oh, we don't have that in Hackney. You know, I'm not saying this. I'm two. I'm thinking this. And it's, it's driveway, and then we go inside, and the house was like a house on top of a house. And I was like, why is it, why is there two houses? It was just a two-story house. Get in there, and I'm like, legitimately, I remember being in the house. I was like, this is amazing. And they're showing me around. They're like, do you want to come see the pantry? I'm like, what's a pantry? They take me, and there's, there's this room full of food. I'm like, yo, their garlic lives better than I do. Do you know what I mean? Like their food's just got like a zone just to hang out in. They take me outside and there's this giant hole in the ground with water in it. I'm like, what's that? They're like, that's a pool. I'm like, is that like a giant bath? They're like, no, it's a pool. I'm like, what's it for? They're like, fun. I'm like, what's a fun? You know, like it's crazy. And, and so we're hanging out there and, and we start, but then they start connecting and we're, 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 we're playing together and we're playing out in the garden and the garden was huge and I thought it was huge. And I was like, you know, it looked like something out of Narnia. There was like nymphs and Mr. Tomness and does anyone watch Narnia? Cool. So, so we're chilling there and I remember thinking as the day went on, and this is for real, I remember thinking, this is better than where I live. This is like a, a better level. Like, what's going on, man? Like, I, like this is awesome. And I remember, because the trial day came to an end, we started driving back, and I remember being like, I don't want it. 
And we get back home and, you know, I'm chilling there in my room with my four sisters. And I'm in my tiny little bed and I've had my Rabina. I just remember thinking, man, I'd love to be garlic in that house over just chilling in this one. But, but what had happened? Because before that, I loved hackney. Before that, I was like, yo, barbed wire fence, a duck. What more do you need? Let's go. I'd been shown a better way to live. And when you're shown a better way to live, sometimes the current way we're living doesn't satisfy. Quick ending to the story. It's great. They adopted me. They were Christian. They weren't actually rich. They were just young adult share housing, like with like 20 young adults from the church. So I went from a packed house to a more packed house. But, but my point is, is I believe that God... When he comes and meets us, when we come to church, when we go to youth, when we do all the things, when we're at Connect Group, we're not just there to tick a list. We're not just there to come to church. We're there that God would introduce us to a better way of living. We're there that God would introduce us to a better way of life, friendship, relationship, sexuality, finance, all the areas of life. When we encounter Jesus, it should be a hackney moment. Oh my gosh, there's a better way to live. Oh, oh my gosh, like I don't have to, like, can I be super real with you for a moment? Like some of you guys have been eating like spiritual cheeseburgers from Maccas that have been dropped on the floor three times. And God's like, hey man, do you want some steak and fresh veggies? Like, do you want to eat something nourishing? I believe that God's intent with the church is that we would introduce a generation to a better way of living. Because church isn't just something we go to, it's a lifestyle we commit to. And so when we say yes to Jesus, we're saying, hey, I'm moving out of my old home. I'm moving out of maybe that relationship. <laughs> I'm moving out of those websites. I'm moving out of that pattern. I'm moving out of anxiety. I'm moving out of unforgiveness. And I'm moving house to somewhere better, to something more positive. You know, there was an old song by Joe Cocker called Love Lift Us Up. You guys remember that one? Like two of you? Any of the, any of the wiser people in the room remember that? Love lifts us up where we belong. I can't get that high. But man, that's the role of the church. Like when we're having service at our church, I'm not going, okay, so are they attending? Okay, yep, are they tithing? What's going on? I'm going, hey man, are they, in, are they accepting a better way of living? Have they moved out of the house of depression and pornography and hurt and pain and anxiety and fear? And are they moving into a house of peace and love and joy in the Holy Ghost? That's why we do church, man. Because can I be super honest? Your screen could bring a revival. I have envy and not the godly type. I want that screen at my church. That thing is just a precursor to the anointing. But all the lights in the world, the biggest things in the world, the world does it better. Like, I'm all for comfy seats and LED screens and smoke and then the, you know, the bit in the song where it's like, just the drums, and it's just, it's awesome. But our goal is not to impress a generation with lights and with sound and with LED screens from heaven. Our goal is that they would understand that they're loved by God, they can be used by God, He's got a plan and a purpose for them. Come on, we have to help some of our friends and family move house, metaphorically. And if you're in Hackney, Literally. You know, we read a story about Abram. This is before he becomes Abraham. And it says, after these things. Context is very important when we're reading the Word of God. Sometimes we, you know, it's fine to have a Bible plan. You read bits, but maybe that's not how it was written. Maybe it was written as one letter or one thing. 
the after these things here is important. Because what is this after when he comes and promises Abram everything? It's after 20 or so years of seemingly unfulfilled promises. It's after a long time. A couple of chapters before, he takes him up to the hill at Shechem and he says, hey, look to the east, southwest, as far as I can see, I'll give it to you. Abram's had words before, but he's salty. He's a salty dog. He's like, man, it hasn't happened. And I wonder for us, you know, you guys are part of what I would say is a mega church and multi-campus and you guys have great conferences. And how many conferences have you been to? How many words have you gotten? Where the speaker comes and says, lift your hands to heaven. I prophesy you're going to be a millionaire. And right now you're like, I am a reverse millionaire. I owe everyone money. Or someone comes and says, you're going to be a beacon of purity in your school. And right now you're like, I am not that. There's going to be peace in your family. You're like, are you kidding me? That is not happening. We've all been there, I think. We've had words and we're like, God, were you, did, you have, did you make a mistake? Was the prophet drunk? Like, what was going on? God comes to Abram and speaks to him in that moment. God comes down, speaks to him and says, hey, I'm going to give it to you. I'm going to do this, that, and the other. I love, I love that Scripture would indicate that, that Abram's in a tent. Why? Because it's nighttime. I had one person one time go, how do you know it was at nighttime? Because you can see all the stars. So, hot tip. So, so, this bit's a bit extra biblical, but I like to picture it that Abram is in his tent and he's like, huh, I'm mad. I can't have kids. Which, that's a valid thing to be upset about. My parents can't biologically have kids. They adopted me and my sister, which, you know, obviously turned out phenomenally, but it's still hard. My mom never got to, to hold a newborn baby and all that sort of thing. And so Abram is upset, but there's a reason. But can I tell you, even if I was upset about something and God showed up in my room and was like, hey, Fred, I am your shield, your exceedingly great reward. I don't know about you, Pastor Noel, but I'd probably be like, oh my gosh. <laughs> you know? Abram's like, hmm, what have you given me? I don't even have kids. And I feel like God's like, hey, I get you, I got it, but can we go outside just real quick? I just want to show you something. Why? I'm mad. And let's not get mad at Abram because we do this. Well, maybe just I do this, but I think we do this. Oh, my God, what are you doing? You said all this at youth camp. I fell over even. I don't know if it was real or not, but I fell over. Then I didn't know when to get up. I'm pretty sure Tiffany was looking at me, but I still yielded to your spirit, Lord. <laughs> come outside I want to show you something maybe on a more serious note hey as if I would want to see anything you have God but why did my parents divorce hey why did that thing happen to me in school I feel God say hey come just I know I know but just let's go outside he takes him outside of the tent and for me the tent represents our thinking and our mindsets we don't live in tents at the moment I pray but the tent represents our mind. God was going, hey, Abram, get out of your head. Let's go outside. Romans 12.2 says, let's be transformed by the renewing of our mind. We need to change the way we think before we can change the way we act. And so God says, hey, let me take you out of your situation and show you how big I am. Because Abram was in something in his thinking that didn't fit. You know, one time I was going to Wet and Wild. I was about to say, <laughs> do you guys know Wet and Wild? <laughs> You guys are wet and wild. Like, it's like, it's here. <laughs> you know, when I'm in Singapore, I'm like, do you guys know wet and wild? They're like, what? I'm like, shut up. One time I was going to wet and wild. I was in school. And I was running late. 
and the boys pulled up outside. This is like my premium, like low-level youth leader days. You know those days where it's like, you know, you've just finished school, you're a youth leader, it's summertime, the cricket's on, and you're just doing nothing with your life. And so we went to Wet n Wild all the time. We got one of those passes. And I was running late. I couldn't find my swimmers anywhere, but I had lots of jeans. And so I was like, you know what, I'm going to do the boys are here. I don't want to be late. The boys... You know, the boys, you know, and so I cut my jeans off here and I made jorts, okay? I'm a fashion icon and I cut them off there and I was in there and I was like, oh man, I'm looking good. You know, back then I, I didn't have as many lifestyle layers and um, did anyone, this is a question for the guys, not the females obviously, did anyone put weight on over COVID? Yeah? Okay, okay, we've got two honest people. I realized like about halfway through, I was like through my second box of Cinnabons and I was like, this is going to end badly. Um, and I still ate them. Anyway, so I'm on my way to Wet n Wild. We get to Wet n Wild, and I'm like, this is awesome. I got my jorts, and I'm like just running around. And, we're, and by about three o'clock, I start to get some intense pain. But I'm like a young guy, so I'm like, it's fine. Shut up, it's fine. We're fine. And I'm just like, what, Tower of Terror, let's go. Terror Canyon, rather. Like, wipe it, let's do it, let's do it. It's awesome. And then by four, I'm like, <laughs> now, I don't want to be crashed in the house of God, Pastor Trish, but, but, but your boy's got a booty. And your boy has big thighs, okay? I am the male Kim Kardashian. And, and honestly, my thighs were fellowshipping. Do you know what I mean? Like the two old intercessors, Mary and Helen, at the back of the church. You know, Mary, Helen, Mary, Helen. You know, they're just like chatting to each other. And I'm like, I need to sort this out, man. So I go to the bathroom. I kid you not, my inner thighs are like red raw and one of them was bleeding. And I'm like... What am I going to do? And I do what any normal 18-year-old does. I'm like, we got to keep going. You know, like, so I'm like back on the things. So like, I get home and that night, I'm like, anyway, it doesn't matter. Like there's cream, there's salve, there's like pawpaw cream going on. Anyway, what's my point with that weird story? My point is I tried to do something in something that wasn't good for me and didn't fit me. Can I, can I preach to you tonight and tell you that your anxiety isn't good for you, it doesn't fit you? Lads, real quick, the, the, the porn addiction, it's not good for you, it doesn't fit you. There's no shame or guilt or condemnation for those in Christ Jesus, but it's time to get rid of those jorts, man. That way of thinking, yeah, it got real quiet. That way of thinking, it's not good for you, doesn't fit you. The way that you haven't forgiven that person for what they did, you hold on to it, and you think about them, and you stew on them, and you follow them on Insta, and you look at them, and you get mad. It's not good for you, doesn't fit you. The thing that you're doing by yourself, this isn't a shame thing. This is, a, hey, we want to be free. The pastors here, they want you to move out of that old house. They want you to move into team. They want you to start to move into freedom. If a keyboardist could join me, that would be absolutely sensational. And then he says to Abram, he says, count, the, I love this. He takes him outside and he says, count the stars if you can. I'm a pretty literal guy. I'd probably be like, yes, sir. One, two, three, four, five. Damn it, one, two. God wasn't trying to, get Abram to get better at counting. God was trying to address his soul and say, hey, Abram, I'm a big God. My promises are yes and amen. I'm not a man that I would lie. My arm is not too short. If I've said it, I'll do it. Hey, can I encourage you, whatever your situation, whatever your circumstance tonight, if he said it, he'll do it. But when? I don't know, man. I'm not God. But part of this walk has to be one of trust. Hey, God, I trust you. I trust that you're good and that you're for me and that you care about me. Amen? 
I'm going to give you three points to finish with tonight. I really just want to pray for everyone, but we will do that with COVID, with Auntie Rona's regulations. The first one is it's time to get out of the tent. It's time to get out of the tent. Can I tell you, church should be a place that you can come out of the tent. It shouldn't be a place where you think you have to hide and look to part. One of my unsaved friends once said to me, hey, bro, honestly, you know what I reckon? If you want honesty, don't go to a church, go to a bar because the people there are broken, but they're open about it. That cannot be how it is now. Church has to be a place of openness. Church has to be a place where you can come to the altar and you can cry because there's pressure, isn't there? How are you, bro? Yeah, good, bro. God's good. Killing it. There's a pressure to always be doing well, always be doing good. But actually, church should be a place where we're like, hey, God, I'm not doing good. And I'm here again, and I made that mistake again, and I need your grace. God loves that. Come on, it's time to get out of the tent. It's time to get out of our head. Faith is so important. We've had a really weird year. It's been very strange. He's still on the throne. Didn't take you by surprise. Either he's Lord of all or he's not Lord at all. And I believe he's Lord of all. He's here and he's with us. And can I encourage you, have great hope for this year in your family, in your workplace, in your finance. Have great hope. Second point, God knows the name and number of stars like we read in Psalms. He hasn't forgotten yours. God has spoken to me so many times in my life. I know he's real and I know he's there. And I'd encourage you, think on the times God's spoken to you, whether, whether just you and him or through a person. I remember when I was about 15 years old, I was at a conference and I was drinking all the time and I was looking at stuff online that I shouldn't, but I was doing the whole like youth leader in training thing. And we're at the conference and Pastor Tim Hall was ministering I don't know if you know him, but he's awesome. And in the middle of his message, I was wearing a Birdie Beetle t-shirt because my parents hated me. And he looked up the back and he went, Brother Beetle, come to the front. And I was like, what is he? Is he talking about me? Yes, Brother Beetle, would you come? It's like, what is going on? <laughs> Walk to the front. Lift your hands to heaven. I was like, no. <laughs> and he tricked me. He like looked the other way and was like, you know what I think, church? And then he just goes, in the name of Jesus, and prayed for me. I went flying, man. I was like, oh my gosh. But the crazy thing about an encounter is if you don't apply it, it's just another thing that happened. And so two years later, I was at Hillsong Conference and Reinhard Bonnke was ministering and he came and did a surprise session for the youth and then he did an altar call. And in a room of like 3,000, only like 100 kids went up, probably because we were all scared. And I remember going up and he's walking along the line and he's praying for people and people are getting laid out and I'm standing there like, I'm currently faking it with God and with church. What am I doing on this altar? This is the worst thing I've ever done. And he gets to me and I'm looking down and I made the terrible mistake of looking up at Reinhard Bonnke. And he looked at me. He just stared at me and I was like, I'm going to die. And he goes, young man. You can outmaneuver people. You can fool people. But you cannot fool God. 
He laid his hands on me. Man, I'm telling you. I got absolutely frazzled. Can I just say as well, real quick, we need a generation that's hungry for a touch of the Holy Ghost. Sometimes accountability is great. Connect groups, great. Apps on your phone that protect stuff, that's great. All that stuff's good. Sometimes you just need to get on the altar, man, and just get absolutely bamboozled by the presence of God. Yeah, but it's a bit weird. We serve a God who walked on water. We serve a Jesus that when he came back from the dead, a bunch of other people came back from the dead. People walking through Jerusalem going, it's Uncle Tommy's back. Some parts of our faith are crazy. But I like it. God knows the name and number of the stars. He hasn't forgotten yours. Last point. The limitless sky is our portion. The limitless sky is our portion. Can I tell you, as you have absolutely gathered by now, I'm a super normal guy. There is nothing special about me at all. But in my life, I've seen God do things in me and through me that make me go, wow, maybe maybe this book isn't just a thing I grew up with my mum force feeding me and listening to my dad read out of every night and every Sunday and every minute of every day. Maybe it's true. Maybe it's for me. You know, when I was 17, I went on a missions trip to China and with my youth pastor at the time and we got there and he was going to preach at the underground church in China. And I had no idea what to expect. I was running like a connect group of like four guys poorly. <laughs> and he got offered to preach in Shanghai and we were in Shenzhen and he's like, I've got to go and preach, bro. You preach tonight at the underground church. I'm like, what? About what? <laughs> what will I say? <laughs> And so they put me in a van in the boot and they put a white sheet over me. And I'm in this van going to this underground church service. At 17, I'm going, I miss Brisbane and Nando's and I'm not qualified for this and I miss my mummy. You know, like I was just wasn't pumped. And I get there and there's this underground church. I was thinking we we're going to like a cave out near a waterfall or something. There was a facility about half the size of this with soundproofing that was undercover as an English teaching center with 400 people. Some had traveled three days to come to one meeting. And they got me. (laughs) Oops. So I get up and I preach the worst message of all time. I preach about Joseph. I get everything wrong. I'm like, and then... Potiphar slept with Pharaoh. And then like, I'm just getting everything wrong. Like I am just butchering it. And it gets to the end and I'm like, Oh, I guess I should do an altar call. And also that culture, there was a translator. I'd never preached with a translator and they don't give you anything. Like the only thing they do is when you say Jesus, then the translator says, yes, sir. They all go, amen. And so I just started saying Jesus just to build up myself. I'm like, you know, and Jesus came and Jesus loved you and, and Jesus wants to work in your life. And they're like, amen, amen, amen. Just getting pumped on it. And then I'm like, well, this has gone terribly. I better do an altar call. So I do an altar call. And I say, like, hey, if anyone wants prayer, would you come to the front and let this bad theological idiot pray for you, the whole room stands up and walks forward to the front. And I'm like, what is going on? And so I go up to the first guy and I'm almost finished. I'm conscious of time. Go up to the first guy and I'm thinking, I don't know what to do here. But I know that in Acts 2, it says that you'll receive power when the Holy Ghost comes upon you. And so I just grab his hand and his name was Ikwai. And I said, God, and he fell over. Like, oh no, I've, I've killed him. Just for a reference point, many of these people have never seen 
a Hillsong service, a service like we would run. Their YouTube's blocked, all that sort of stuff. But his response to feeling the anointing was physical as well as spiritual. I start moving along and people are crying and my translators move with me. I start getting a bit confident. I'm like, what? No, what? Yes, I'm a Jedi. You know, it's getting pumped. I'm just being honest with you. You know, eventually I'm like, you know, got the jacket like Benny Hinn. Bring him back, bring him back. Get to this old lady and she must know, she must have been 127. I'm telling you, she was like gnarled and bent over and just like this. And the translator Meredith told me that she had traveled seven hours on train, spending all her money for the week to be at the service. I was like, oh man. She goes, oh, and she's blind in one eye. But she's here for her miracle. And I'm like, help. So I lay hands on her and I said, thank you, God, you're a healing God. Amen. And I move on. And I hear this angry Chinese muttering behind me. And Meredith's like, oh, Fred, she just, she's wondering if that's it. I was like, sorry? She said, oh, she's just wondering if that's it because she came seven hours because she heard that there was going to be faith and there was going to be a person of God that would move in the anointing. And she's just wondering, is that it? No. It's just, it's, we'll do it again. <laughs> So we pray. We pray, pray six times. Can I tell you, that's awkward. Super awkward. And each time it's happening, I'm losing all my faith. I'm like, oh, is it better? Oh, it's not better. Then on like the sixth time, I wish it was the seventh time, because biblical number completion, it would have been cool. But on the sixth time, because I'm putting my hand over her eye, I feel moisture on my hand. And the first thing I think is, God's doing something. The second thing I think is, yuck. <laughs> so we pray again. And no word of a lie, on the third time after the sixth time that I pulled my hand away, this gunk came off on my hand. But of course, I'm getting pumped because God's doing something. And then underneath, she's got this bright green eye. I'm 17. I'm an idiot. I got the story of Joseph wrong. This bright green eye, but no expression. She's still just like. And I said, Meredith, ask her if she's better. Meredith, bless you. We rebuke COVID in the name of Jesus. It's not funny. It's inappropriate. And so Meredith says, check if you're better. And this old lady, I'll never forget this for the rest of my life. She goes, no expression. Hey. I'm like, what? She couldn't see for 30 years and her eyes better. And that's all she said. And I said, Meredith, talk to her. And Benji can come. Come hang out with me. And, and I'm like, Meredith, figure out what's going on. And this is what she said to Meredith. She said, sorry, I'm just getting pumped. I know I'm getting a bit shrill, but I'm pumped. Is She said, why would I be surprised that Jesus healed me? That's why I came. Hey, church, can I tell you, we're going to start turning up to the house of God with a bit of expectancy. We're going to go and start turning up going, I am going to be healed. I am going to be set free. My parents will reunite. We've got to start having some faith in the house of God. He's not the God of the tent. I was about to say he's not the God of Hackney, but that sort of condemns Hackney a bit. <laughs> He's the God of the open sky, man. Why don't we stand tonight? He's the God of more than enough. Hey, I'm going to finish up. Pastor, now, can I just tell one more story real quick? Just one more. Uh, a couple of years ago, I was ministering at City Point Church. I'm sure some of you guys know it. And, and we had a youth and young adult service. And I was preaching on the healing power of God. And, and, and we had an altar call and people came to the front. And me and Joel Ramsey were laying hands on people. And, I get to this little girl and she's just, just a cutie and she's standing there in her converse 
And she's like, hi. I'm like, hey. And you can tell she's not really like used to church because she's just having a chat with me. She's not like ready to get, and I'm like, how are you? And she's like, good. Um, this leg is about four inches shorter than this leg. And I was like, I can see she's got the one platform con and one normal con. And I was like, okay. And she's like, and you said before, I'm not really a Christian, but you said that God can heal bodies. And I'm like, I did say that. And she's like, well, let's do the thing. It's like, fire out, Joel. So we sit her down. We start praying for it. We're praying. And I start to feel her leg move. And can I just tell you, like, I'm a Pentecostal guy, but I'm also like a realist. You know what I mean? I'm not like, I'm not like, there's an angel behind every, every towel. You know, I, like, I'm, it's, anyway. So I feel this leg start growing and I'm like, and Joel's like, and then she stands up with her shoes off and goes, thank you, walks off. I'm like, hold on a minute. Anyway, she leaves and I'm honestly, real talk. I'm like, maybe that happened. I'm the preacher at this stage. Just being real with you. This mum comes in and goes, where's the preacher? Where is he? I'm like, I don't know. I think he's over there. <laughs> he who hides under the shelter of the Most High will fear no evil. You know? Where is he? And so I walk up and I'm like, hey, that was me. She's got a sh- these converts and she goes, well, I just picked my daughter up from youth group. She arrived here with one leg shorter than the other. And now she's outside barefoot and her legs are the same size. I was like, yeah, but the tone was wrong. You know, I'm like, all glory be, you're welcome. She's like, this is what she said. I don't know if there's any mums in here, but you'll probably feel what she was saying. She goes, well, it's been a big week and this is just a lot. And she just walks out, just leaves. What's my point? My point is, if he can use me, he can use you. If he can use someone with a bad theology at the time and no faith and scared, he can use King's Church right now on the Gold Coast to bring a move of God in your city. You don't need a degree. You don't need to be anointed with oil. You just need to believe that he is who he says he is. He is who he says he is. Let's sing something. Let's sing something real quick. Actually, before we sing, I'm just going to pray and then we're going to sing and then Pastor Noah's going to take over. But just in this place, like Pastor Noah said, if you have a need in your body, if you have a need in your spirit, if you want a fresh touch of God, if you need something in your finances, would you just quickly lift your hands to heaven? It's not for me, just under God. You can just keep your eyes closed and just, just even if you just lift two hands to the God of heaven and earth and we're just going to pray, we're just going to believe that God's going to move in your life and in your world right now. And if you're not, if you don't have your hands lifted, would you just start speaking in tongues with me? Would you just start believing? Lift the atmosphere of faith in the room. Father, I thank you even now, even now, even now for every person with their hand raised, every need, Father. You see it, you see it, you see it. I thank you, God, for signs and wonders. I thank you for breakthrough. I thank you for creative miracles. I thank you, God, that you would meet every need according to your riches and glory. You know every circumstance, God. And I thank you that as we lift our hands, you're faithful to meet every need in Jesus' name. Thank you so much for joining us. Stay tuned for new messages weekly. You can keep updated on what's happening in the life of King's Church by following us on social media at King's Church GC. Be blessed.